Yes, they do. And a good afternoon and welcome to the Mecca Sports Talk. I'm your host, Keith Dewar, for this Saturday, January the 22nd, 2022, as we get you set for the divisional playoff matchups in the NFL between today and tomorrow. Cincinnati traveling to Tennessee to face the Titans. San Francisco going up to Green Bay tonight. Face the Packers up in the frozen tundra Lambeau Field. Tomorrow, of course, the Rams traveling to Tampa to face the defending champs. And the nightcap with the Bills and the Chiefs, the big one from Arrowhead in Kansas City. So, before I get to these games, I have to recap, of course, what happened to the Cowgirls, what happened in these other games last weekend, and also discuss what's happened uh, this week with the Giants, uh, what's happened, of course, a couple of things with the Knicks, who continue to flounder and basically can't get out, get out of their own way. And, and basically baseball, where next week you're going to have the Hall of Fame announcements, and I will have a, I will have a episode strictly for that next week before the announcements are made. As far as tell you who I think should get in, who I think will get in to the Hall of Fame, etc. Uh, but as far as football goes, let me start off first with these games from, from last week. And I know obviously days have passed by since, but retrospect on these games, you know, Dallas, hey, look, they shot themselves in the foot. You could sit and blame the refs. You could sit and blame Mike McCarthy. You could sit and put the blame... All you want uh, on on the refs, Mike McCarthy, whatever. Bottom line is, their forty plus million dollar player, Dak Prescott, did not show up and play the type of game that you need in the playoffs from your big time, supposed big time quarterback. And he did not have a hell of a game. Now, granted, his offensive line, who has three Pro Bowlers on it. They did not play a good game against San Francisco. San Francisco got a good amount of pressure on on Prescott. They had five sacks. And look, if you're going to get pressure on the quarterback, it's going to be a long day. Prescott, though, could get out of the pocket. He still could do it. I mean, obviously his leg injury notwithstanding that he had, he's not quite the same nimble guy that he used to be. But he could still get out of the pocket. And obviously, that happened on the last play of the game. Where for some godforsaken reason, they decide to run it, and they shot themselves in the foot. And you could sit and blame the umpire, you know, for not getting down the field fast enough and this and that to, to spot the ball. He's the, He doesn't run a 4-2, though, or a 4-3, like some of these professional athletes do. So unfortunately, if you expect him to be the same way as a professional athlete, I think you're a little bit, you know, out of your mind. They shot themselves in the foot, the bottom line. Cowgirls shot themselves in the foot. They deserve to lose the game. End of story. That's it. End of story. So put the blame wherever you want. 14 penalties, you know, bad bad coaching, this and that. It don't matter. They lost the game, and San Francisco tried to hand them the game, and Dallas couldn't snatch it away. They couldn't quite do it. So, to me, where a lot of people definitely were picking San Francisco, and I picked Dallas to win this game, they did not do it. So, San Francisco obviously moves on. They're at Green Bay tonight. We'll see how that plays out. I'll give you my pick. 
in a few minutes in regards to how that's going to go. Cincinnati held on to beat the Raiders. Uh, you know, wasn't quite the game I was anticipating. Joe Burrow played decent, didn't play great, made throws when he needed to, this and that. But ultimately, Cincinnati's defense came up with a big stand at the end and were able to hang on to beat the Raiders 26-19. They're now going to Tennessee today to face the top seed of Titans. And Derrick Henry's back now for Tennessee. So let's see what happens with regards to that. Uh, obviously, NFC, Tampa Bay, light years better than Philadelphia. We don't really need to discuss that in, in great detail. That was pretty much a cinch uh, with regards to Tampa Bay winning that game by by double digits or more, or, or double digits at least. So granted, right now, Philly, you, you probably figure Jalen Hurts is your quarterback for the future. But he has got to start reading defenses better. I mean, he takes too long in the pocket to see what's happening, to anticipate. And right now, he's not quite there yet. We'll see how he does the next couple of years. But as of now, he's the best you have in Philadelphia. I don't want to hear anything about Minshew or anything like that. Hurts is your quarterback, but he has got to show some marketed improvement uh, in the pocket especially next season and beyond for Philadelphia. And honestly, at this stage, if you think that... Now, going to the Rams-Arizona game the other night, I did not expect that. I thought Arizona... I picked Arizona to actually win that game, which they weren't even in that game from the very beginning. Uh, You know, Kyler Murray looked horrible. I mean, he looked like a rookie quarterback that just had deer in headlights galore. He had no clue... From start to finish in that game. I mean, and I know DeAndre Hopkins was out. Yeah, that's great and everything. But they still have weapons on that team. And they just got overwhelmed by Arizona, by uh, the Rams. And that Ram front four, again, that's going to be a big, big key in the game tomorrow against Tampa Bay. And I'll get more into that momentarily. But... As far as the Giants go, hey, look, they got their guy. They got Joe Shane, Joe Shane as their new general manager from Buffalo. Twenty years of basically personnel experience. To me, I you know I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say I know a ton about the guy, but at the same time, this is pretty much what they needed to do. He's relatively young uh, by NFL standards, uh, as far as a general manager goes. And right now, we know the Giants have so many holes to fill that this is going to be a work in progress. And we're going to need to give him time. I mean, that's the real, that's, that's just the realistic thing. Now, as far as bringing in a head coach, well, I'll tell you right now, one guy he better not bring in, or two guys he better not bring in, is Leslie Frazier, number one. And number two, I don't want to hear anything other than the names of Brian Flores coming in for an interview, and I know Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for Buffalo, he came in for an interview also. One of those two guys I'll be fine with, but I don't want to hear a word about Dan Quinn. Do not even, don't interview him. I hope the cowgirls say no. And and not for nothing too, what about Eric Bieniemy? Why not him? Bring him in for an interview next week. If Kansas City advances or whatever, it doesn't matter. Just bring him in. 
during the week for an interview and see what happens. Why not him? Look at that Kansas City offense, and I know they got a lot of weapons. But who do you think is the guy calling the plays? I mean, it's Andy Reid, and it's obviously enemy back and forth. And right now, you give me enemy, you give me Dable, you give me Brian Flores. You give me one of those three guys, and I'll be relatively happy. If they, if they hire Leslie Frazier or Dan Quinn, I am going to absolutely lose it. Totally lose it. I don't want any of the retreads like that. And Brian Flores is not a retread as far as I'm concerned. Because he got hosed down in Miami. That should have never have happened. To me, they made a big mistake firing him. And if he doesn't get the Giants job, he's going to get a job somewhere else in a heartbeat. Rest assured, he will be a head coach somewhere in 2022. Whether it's at the Meadowlands or whether it's somewhere else, that remains to be seen. But right now, you know, they brought in Dable, interviewing him. I'm hoping that they were planning on bringing in Flores. And if they could somehow bring in enemy, fine. They don't need to rush to get a head coach. Take your time. Make the right decision. Because this is a big decision at this point. This franchise, as we know, has been an absolute laughingstock for a decade now. And they have got to make the right decision here. And they have got to make the right decision in the draft with their two picks in the top 10. Now, whether they basically take care of the offensive line, whether they get themselves a a bona fide defensive tackle or a defensive end or a linebacker, they have got to shore up the front seven on the defensive side and they've got to shore up the offensive line. That's the first thing they got to do before anything else. Whatever they're going to do with Dan, with um, with Daniel Jones, whatever they're going to do with Saquon Barkley, whatever they're going to do with these supposed other weapons that they have offensively, let's see how it goes. But right now, they got one thing out of the way. They signed, they got Shane as the new general manager. I'm fine with it. Obviously, you've seen what Buffalo has done the last couple of years. And they're obviously on the upswing. And they've got a shot to get to the Super Bowl this year. If they could get by Kansas City today, to me, whoever wins that game Sunday night is going to the Super Bowl from the AFC. So they have got to get this right with the head coach. And then again, as I said, they have got to get it right with these draft picks. Because we know what's happened with... Saquon Barkley. We know what's happened with Daniel Jones. Andrew Thomas, yes, that that worked out because he had a great year this year. I mean, but at the same time, look, we know what Gettleman's track record was, and it was an absolute nightmare. So, and that needs to, you know, be put away or thrown to the dumpster somewhere, whatever you want to call it. But that chapter's closed, and now this chapter's opened. And I hope this chapter has a lot of good stuff involved in it. Because we know between Gettleman and the prior people with the Giants, with Reese and everything before that, who basically took the Giants team apart, essentially. So right now... Again, Shane, step one. Step two, get yourself a damn head coach in here who has a clue. 
And then step three, you've got to fix the personnel in this football team. So at least they got this out of the way. They did their due diligence. Now I want to see who the head coach is going to be. If it's Dan Quinn or if it's Leslie Frazier, just, you know, forget it. I will lose it. I will totally lose it. Now, as far as before I get to these picks for today and tomorrow, the four big games, look, with regards to the Knicks, I'm really at the point now where it's like, what is this fran- what is this franchise doing exactly? You know, we came into this year and said that they were the number four seed last year, and everything was looking up and everything was looking great. They re-signed Derrick Rose. They brought in Evan Fournier. They brought in Kemba Walker. Obi Toppin's another year older. Quickly's another year older. Grimes is going to get some more time. You brought back Randall. R.J. Barrett, another year under his belt. Third year in the league. Should take a big step forward. And what has happened to this team is that They have been the epitome of inconsistency. And the epitome of, I mean, just let's be frank, they're disappointing beyond belief. And I know that you sacrificed defense when you brought in Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier because neither are anything close to a halfway decent defensive player at all. And when you've seen a Fournier score 40 points against the Celtics and then come out the next night and score like three. That's not what, that's not going to win games. And let's put all the chips in the middle. Julius Randle did not deserve that contract that he got. He did not. Yeah, he took a little bit less than a max contract. But he is not a number one player on a good team. You saw what happened in the playoffs last year when the Hawks exposed them. And you see now what's happened this year because he doesn't have the ball in his hands quite as much. Because Walker's got to get his shots when he's healthy. Fournier's got to get his shots when he's healthy and out there. RJ Barrett's got to get his shots. But right now, you know, again, Julius Randle, he's not a $140 million player. He's just not. And now he doesn't want to talk to the media. Or the Knicks aren't making him available to the media. Because he got his feelings hurt. Because the fans booed him. Well, friggin' grow a pair. How about that? You're in New York. You're in the friggin' Mecca. You know, so I don't want to hear any excuses at this point. This team is disappointed beyond belief. And I'm not saying that they're a friggin' top three seed or they should be a top three seed in the East. Because they're not. We know what Miami is. We know what the Nets are. We know what the Bucks are. You see teams like Charlotte, who's clearly on the upswing with the youth that they have in that team. And they came into the Garden on Martin Luther King Day and whipped the Knicks into smithereens. But right now, with with the Knicks franchise, you know, where do they go from here? What do they do? You know, we know they need a point guard, a young point guard, not Derrick Rose. They need a young point guard. 
yeah, it's nice to have veteran leadership in this and that, but you need a bona fide point guard in this team to spread the ball around, to penetrate, to dish it out. And I know the Knicks aren't blessed with the greatest three-point shooters in the world either. I mean, Alec Burks has taken a step back. I mean, I mean, but what did you expect? He is what he is. He's a role player. R.J. Barrett has shown flashes of shooting the three better. I mean, he started off terribly. But again, there's just nights that he disappears. And Evan Fournier, he is wildly inconsistent. And that and this, these are just not this is just not a winning formula for success. I mean, look at Phoenix. Phoenix is like what, 35 and 9, 36 and 9? And I know they got a Hall of Fame point guard and they got a superstar shooting guard and they got a really good center. And they got some good role players. But Chris Paul is basically the straw that stirs the drink with that team. Period. He does it all. He does it on both sides of the floor. He doesn't do it just offensively. He does it defensively. He sets the tone. And the bottom line is right now, a team like that, who, you know, Chris Paul's not the best point guard in the NBA. We know that. But if you put him on the Knicks right now, the Knicks would be a hell of a lot better than they are. No, I'm not saying the Knicks should have given him $40 million a year either. I mean, he's getting up there. We know that. But if you had him for a year or two, would that be the worst thing in the world? So this is the problem. Because now that they, now they, the Knicks have pushed themselves up against the wall. Because you signed Randall to all this money. And he's untradeable. And now, you know, the media is against him and this and that. And the crowd, yeah, he's trying to win them back. But, you know, once you once you get on the, the bad side of the fans, it is really difficult to recover from that, especially in New York. So where do they go from here exactly? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. But again, what they should have done was not give Randall all that damn money. And never mind giving Fournier all that money, which is an absolute waste. You know, Cam Reddish is still hurt, so we have no idea what he's going to end up being when the time comes for uh, for him to be healthy and how many minutes is he going to get. Where is he going to fit in with the team? But this team's an absolute mess right now. You thought they were turn, turning the corner last week, and then this week... They lose to Charlotte badly on Monday. They lost to New Orleans the other night. And now I'm drawing a blank who they lost to before that. In between the two games against Charlotte and, and New Orleans. Uh, well, whatever the case may be. They, they, lost, they lost three in a row at home. They can't win any friggin' home games. So it's like, what what the hell is going on with this team? And Minnesota's the team in the middle, by the way. The T-Wolves. They should have won that game. They should have definitely beat New Orleans the other night. I mean, it's embarrassing. They're under 500 at home. So they, they got a long-ass way to go to turn things around. And quite frankly, I mean, really, who cares if they finish 8th, ninth, 10th, whatever? They ain't going anywhere. 
Even if they snuck into the first round of the playoffs, they're going to get bashed by Miami or the Nets or Milwaukee, Chicago, whoever. Team's an absolute abomination at this point. It's right back to where they were being a mediocre team when you got your best player making $40 million a year or $30-something million a year and he doesn't deserve that kind of money and he's not a number one player on a friggin' good team. And why the hell do you think the Lakers got rid of him and New Orleans got rid of him? Now you've seen the fruits of the labor come out, basically, showing that he is not a number one player, period. And speaking of number one players, what the hell's going on in L.A. with the Lakers? You know, I, I mean, now there's rumors that the Lakers are going to, or the, the Rockets are interested in Westbrook if the Lakers throw a first-round draft pick in. Do you really think the Lakers are going to sit there and throw a first-round pick in to give to Houston so they could get John Wall back? What is that going to do? John Wall isn't improving the Lakers. You need Anthony Davis back. But the Lakers' problems are a lot bigger than that because, again, the role players they have now in comparison to what they had when they won their championship is night and day. You know, their defensive ratings are way down. And look, the team is old. They have injuries. They're not the same team. They're just not the same. Anthony Davis, we know, is hurt. Fine. But LeBron is 37 years old. Russell Westbrook has a lot of miles on those legs. And he clearly is not a superstar anymore. I mean, his numbers are fine. But the Lakers didn't get him so his numbers could be fine. They got him so his numbers could be elite every single night. And when the Lakers are sitting there benching him with four minutes left in the game and he doesn't get back on the floor again, I mean, then the handwriting's on the wall. And Frank Vogel's not going to even last a year. And to me, that's, you know, it's not his fault. Because the Lakers, you know, this falls on management. For bringing in a a veteran team, a super duper veteran team that that is way too long in the tooth. And needs an influx of youth to supplement the veteran leadership that they have in the team. They just constructed things the wrong way. And right now, you look at them, yeah, they're going to probably finish in that 7 through 10 area and have to play for their lives just to get into the first round of the playoffs. So a lot of problems out there in, in Follywood with the fakers. But, I, you know, not that I'm upset about that. But hell, the Knicks have got their own friggin' problems over here in the Big Apple. And a hell of a lot of them right now. And as I mentioned, look at you know, look at Phoenix. They're running away now at the West. You know, Golden State, and you could see Golden State that their bread and butter player, Draymond Green, who's out right now, you could see that the team is not the same because he's the glue on that team. The glue. He holds the team defensively together. He makes the right plays offensively. He's not going to put up the greatest statistics in the world. We know that. But he's the glue on that team. And that team wins when he's on the floor. 
So that's a big, big loss for them. And they need him healthy to have a shot to win the West. The way they're constructed right now, without him, they have no chance to win the West. None whatsoever. And until I see anything otherwise, I mean, to me, it's Phoenix in the West. Maybe Memphis, you know, although I got to see more. I mean, I know Memphis has been on a great streak. Morant's been playing at an MVP level. But I, I got to see more from, from Memphis for me to say, yeah, you know what? They're, they were legit contender to win the West. And then, you know, everybody's, everybody basically ignores Utah. But I think right now, with the way things are constructed in the West, you got to like what Phoenix is doing, period. And in the East, the Bulls, who are basically in free fall now, they can't win a game to save their lives. Lost again last night. I know they were missing three starters. They almost beat Milwaukee in Milwaukee. But right now, they're, you know, Chicago's in trouble. You look at the East, hey, when the Nets get healthy, to me, they're still the team to beat. You know, Miami's not going to be a pushover. We know that. And Milwaukee are the defending champs. You know, but look out for a team like Charlotte. As I said, they got a lot of, of really good youth on that team. Good young talent on that team. Which I wish the Knicks friggin' had. I mean, you look at that team with Ball and Rozier and and company. And they're, you know, they're, they're right now... Why can't the Knicks do this kind of thing? No, our young players are quickly and topping. These guys are, are role players. These guys aren't difference makers. But us Nick fans, we got to be thrilled because Obi Toppin could friggin' dunk the ball, you know, put the ball through his legs and dunk it. I could give a rat's ass about that. I want to win friggin' games. And you know what? They're doing that down in Charlotte right now because they sure as hell ain't doing it here in the Big Apple. Now, Onto the picks for the divisional round. And before I give them, being realistic about all this, you know, you look at these games between today and tomorrow, and you can't say without a shadow of a doubt that, you know, even though the Packers are the, hev- are the heaviest of the favorites among these four games, you can't sit there and tell me that there's no reason why San Francisco can't win in Green Bay. You can't legitimately say that the Bengals can't win in Tennessee. You can make a legitimate argument the Rams could win in Tampa. You can make a legitimate argument Buffalo could win in Kansas City. And that's what it's all about right now. You know, these four games are always the games that, you know, typically you might see an upset in the wild card round, that type of thing. But rest assured, if you don't see upsets, you know, in San Francisco-Dallas, that wasn't really an upset. San Francisco was a three-point underdog, and you know what? At the end of the day, they wound up winning that game outright. But if that game was at a neutral site, it would have been a pick game. You know, Cincinnati was expected to win. Tampa Bay was expected to win. 
As I said, the 49ers, hey, a slight upset over over Dallas. Buffalo ripped apart New England. That wasn't an ups that wasn't unexpected. well, what was unexpected was the final score, but Buffalo was favored to win the game. But if you look at the games today, hey, the biggest favorite's Green Bay by five and a half. Titans are a four-point favorite. Tampa's only a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. The Chiefs opened up, I believe, at two or two-and-a-half. A lot of money's going Buffalo's way. It's down to one-and-a-half. So, again, you can make a legitimate argument for any of these eight teams to win today and tomorrow. But now, let's get to the picks. Let you know who I like. I went 4-2 and two last week among the six games for the wild card round. Losing the, uh, the Cowgirl game, of course, and the Arizona game. Winning the other four. So let's see how it goes here. For the divisional round in the NFL today and tomorrow. And quite frankly, hey, this is the best weekend there is for the NFL Next weekend's great with the conference title games, but these two days are always the best that there is, period. So here we go. All right, so let's get started with this first game today at 4.30. Cincinnati and Tennessee. So, Cincinnati, four-point underdog at Tennessee. The return of Derrick Henry today for the Titans. And look, this game is going to come down to one thing and one thing only. Well, two things, excuse me. Number one, Derrick Henry. Now, he's not going to be on any snap count or anything in that nature. And this is going to come down to play-action passing. For Tennessee. You know, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. This is this is basically it today. If Tennessee can keep Tannehill upright, if they could keep him on his feet, and especially if he could get out of the pocket a little bit, dance around a little, and and get some extra time to throw the football, then I think Tennessee wins this game. In a number one seed. And I know a lot of people are on Cincinnati because, you know, Joe Burrow is throwing for 500 yards, 450 yards, 420 yards. But you know that Tennessee today is going to have to put some doubling on, on Chase. You would imagine that's going to be the case. And Higgins right now is banged up for Cincinnati. Cincinnati's offensive line is a little banged up also. And they were fortunate to win that game last week against the Raiders. So I like the top seed today, Tennessee. Now, it's not going to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. But I like the Titans because they're, they got a little more veteran leadership in this team. I think, again, the play-action situation I think is going to be a big key to this game today. And I'm going to take Tennessee 
to win this game over Cincinnati against what a lot of other people I know are doing. A lot of other people are on the Cincinnati bandwagon. But I'm going to take the number one Titans today at home in Nashville against Cincinnati. So I'm going to take the game by a score of uh, 27-20 Tennessee over Cincinnati in game number one. Game number two tonight, of course, in the frozen tundra in Lambeau. 49ers and the Packers. The Packers are a five and a half point favorite. And look, 49ers, we know, coming off a big win last week in Dallas against the Cowgirls. The Packers, who under Aaron Rodgers, have never beaten the 49ers in the playoffs, 0-3, in Aaron Rodgers' career against San Francisco. 49ers are getting Bosa back this week after that scary injury last week. The Packers are getting back one of their big offensive linemen this week. Also getting one of their uh, defensive guys back as well off of uh, basically a season-long injury. And look, I think this is finally the day that Aaron Rodgers gets over the hump against San Francisco in the playoffs. Right now, look, San, San Francisco, a lot of momentum. Beat the Rams in that that last week of the year just to get in the playoffs. And then obviously the big win against Dallas last week. They're going to need to run the ball and run the ball heavily tonight against the, uh, the Packers defense. The thing about it is, though, the Packers defense this year, for the most part, has found ways to make the big play when they need to make it. And I think that's going to also be the case tonight late. You know, they're going to they're gonna make a play somewhere, somehow, some way, and pull it off against the 49ers. Now, with that being said, I think this is going to be a close game. I'm going to take the points and pick the 49ers tonight, but I'm going to take the Packers to win this game. So I'm going to take the Packers by a score of 28-24 over the 49ers as they will advance to the NFC title game once again. And look, this is this is it. Aaron Rodgers, he needs a second Super Bowl ring to seal his legacy completely. And we know he's a Hall of Famer. We know he's a first battle Hall of Famer and this and that. But he needs to get that second Super Bowl ring to put him on that level with Peyton Manning you know, in the pantheon of quarterbacks, so to speak. And you could argue who's better. You could argue, you know, who had more weapons over their career and this and that. But to seal his legacy, he has got to win that second Super Bowl ring. And he'll get one step closer to that tonight when the Packers pull off a win against the 49ers in Lambeau 28-24, game number two. Sunday games, tomorrow, the first game at 3 p.m., the Rams and the Bucks. Now, we know the issues with Tampa right now. They got two offensive linemen banged up. Works and and, uh, and Jensen are questionable for tomorrow. The way things stand right now. If these guys don't play, Tampa Bay's in trouble. And I know that Tom Brady gets the ball out very quickly and this and that. But against that Rams defense, that front four, who gave the Buccaneers all sorts of problems earlier in the year, you could see that happen once again this coming week. And rest assured, hey, look, Tampa doesn't have the weapons they had previously from week two and week three when they played the Rams out in L.A. 
You know, I'm going to take the Rams in this one, go against the grain a little bit. I know a lot of people like, hey, you know, well, defending champs, Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to take the Rams on a whim and say that they figure out a way to win this game. They looked mighty impressive last week against Arizona at home. You know, Odell Beckham Jr. is basically, you know, he's turned the clock back a little bit. He's not quite what he was when he was a rookie or a second-year guy with the Giants. But he's playing well enough right now to whereas he's going to be a problem. And that and that's the biggest bugaboo for Tampa, as I've said all year long. That secondary is not great. And when you got to deal with Cooper Cup and you got to deal with Beckham and you got to deal with Higby and you got to deal with Jefferson, you know, the Rams can stack up with the with the Bucks, And I think if that offensive line is not healthy tomorrow for Tampa Bay, then I'm picking the Rams to upset the Bucks down in Tampa and get to the NFC title game. So I'm going to take the Rams tomorrow by a score of uh, 30-24 over Tampa in game number three. The last game... Buffalo, Kansas City. Now, Kansas City's given one and a half. It's basically a pick however you want to call it. And I know Buffalo, hey, they destroyed New England in every facet of the game last week. Offensively, defensively, special teams, you name it. Buffalo played about as perfect of a game as you could play in the playoffs. Especially in the offensive side. I mean, because they literally, they literally did that. They literally did that. And I think right now, when you look at Buffalo, everything was clicking last week. Can they do it again tomorrow night in in Kansas City? They already beat the Chiefs in Kansas City earlier in the year. And we know how that teams have a propensity to have to learn how to lose first before they learn how to win. Now, will this be the case tomorrow in Kansas City where they can match up with the Chiefs, beat them again in Kansas City, and then get to that AFC title game where they can maybe finally get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl? Well, my answer to that is they will not. And I know a lot of people pick at Buffalo. We've seen the line move heavily towards Buffalo. But Kansas City still has Patrick Mahomes. And he's still got Travis Kelsey. And he's still got Tyreek Hill and company. And they're not going to be a pushover tomorrow at home with a wild crowd. Now, if this game was in Buffalo, I probably would feel different about this game. But this game is in Kansas City. And they've got to beat the AFC, the defending AFC champs, the defending two-time AFC champs. And I think Kansas City's going to make it three. And I'm taking them tomorrow night to beat the, the Bills. The Bills, to me, have not shown the type of consistency week to week that you need from a team that's going to be a Super Bowl champion. And Josh Allen, who played phenomenal last week for for Buffalo, I think he takes a little bit of a step back this week. 
Don't underestimate that Kansas City defense. You know, right now, if I had to pick among the two teams defensively, I would take Kansas City's defense over Buffalo's. Because I feel like Kansas City's defense could get a little more pressure. And the biggest key we know is going to be what can Josh Allen do, not necessarily with his arm, but with his legs. But I, I just feel like, and I know that Pittsburgh was basically a pushover because they, they are so depleted offensively. And I know they had Schuster back last week and Najee Harris was banged up. First fumble all year last week. But again, I think Kansas City, when they score five touchdowns in 11 minutes, I just think you got... Until you can beat this team... 11 on 11 out there. You know, I'm I'm still going to be a believer in Kansas City until I see otherwise. So I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. And basically, since it's a pick em, and it's only one and a half the spread, I'm going to take the home team to win this game. And it'll be three out of four home teams will win this week. And I could be dead wrong because, again, as I said, you can make an argument for virtually any of these teams to win between today and tomorrow. But I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game tomorrow night and win it by a score of uh, 31-24 over Buffalo. So to recap, the divisional round games for the NFL. I'm going to take the Titans minus four against Kansas uh, against Cincinnati. Give me the 49ers, plus five and a half against the Packers, although I like Green Bay to win. Give me the Rams, plus two and a half on the road to win outright against the Bucks, And give me the Chiefs, minus one and a half at home against Buffalo. Your NFL divisional round picks. Best weekend of the year in the NFL. So, that's basically it for... For this episode, I will be back on before the Hall of Fame announcement for Major League Baseball. I will uh, give you my predictions. I will give you my thoughts. I will give you my, uh, you know, I'm not happy with what I've seen among the early votes that have come in in regards to the Hall of Fame. You know, there's some guys that are higher up than they should be to me. There's guys that are lower than they should be to me. You know, analytics, as we know, is playing a major part in a player's Hall of Fame candidacy. And, you know, of course, there's other things that are out there also which are playing a part in in one specific person's candidacy, which I think is a total crock. And I'll get to that more before the Hall of Fame announcement is done. But as for football, everybody enjoy the games today. You want to follow me, you can check me out on Spotify. You can check me out on Facebook, on Instagram at the Mecca Sports Talk. Google me in the Mecca Sports Talk and take a listen. And again, I don't expect to go 4-0 this week. If I could go 500 with my picks, I'll be happy. Because again, these games are very evenly matched, top to bottom. All four games. I think there'll be one or two things that'll make a difference. But right now, it's basically the haves that are left. 
The have-nots are gone. And we'll see who the haves are for next Sunday for the AFC and NFC championships. And we all should be looking forward to it. So everybody, enjoy the games today. I will talk to you in a couple of days. And that's basically it. So everybody enjoy, and I will speak to you soon.